I don't know about you, but I am feeling like this is pretty, pretty useless. And like we, what? Why would we even bother doing a podcast this week, especially after already having one take fail? I mean, when you said this is pretty useless, I just didn't even know you meant the podcast. I just thought you meant in general. That's true. That is true. Capital T. This is useless. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. We're here. Go ahead and do the mess up your intro, and we'll we'll start. Okay. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking About the Big Stuff podcast with Michael Cole and Matthew Cravat. I am Michael Cole. Which would make me Matthew Cravat, as if it matters. Yeah. And if the uh, downtroddenness in our voice doesn't tell you what the topic is, um, today's topic is nihilism. Although, to be honest, I was thinking about possibly naming this episode so that the listeners will see it. Before they ever, it won't have nihilism in the title. I was thinking about naming it the N word. Just thought that might get us a little more traction. <laughs> I second the motion. Or an N word. We could do that too. Yeah, I think I may have mentioned you once. I back when I directed improv, we had an improv game. It's a typical improv game. Every improv game, you know, place in the world plays it. Where you do a game that where like every sentence in the scene has to have just four words in it, or just five right. words in it, or just three words, or whatever, and you vary it. So in our book of, you know, our, our, our Bible of games, we called it N-word because like N is a variable number because like we didn't just do four. We'd have the audience pick a number or whatever and we'd do whatever the number was. And yep. um, and someone once joined the group and saw the list and without reading the description said, you have a game called N-word? And it, yeah. yeah we, we named the game before that phrase became popular. <laughs> yeah, euphemism. We used to just say the word back then, you know. <laughs> yeah. I remember the nineties. Um, anyway, so I, I, uh, I, I apologize. Uh, so listeners, just so you all know, we, we started recording and then we had an issue. And so we're, we got about three minutes in. So I'm about to ask Matthew a question that I've already asked him hmm. and he's about to give an answer. He's already given, and then it will be all fresh from there. So um, it, it kind of represents the futility of what we're doing. Doesn't it, it really does. It really does. Uh, so Matthew, would you consider yourself to be nihilistic? I mean, if you took me out to dinner and treated me right, I'll consider myself whatever you want. Um, I, I, as I said earlier, I'm not a fan of labels. Yeah. So like, if you tell me I have to say I'm a nihilist and I have to look at a list of all the checklist of what makes someone a nihilist. And if I miss two out of eight things, am I, am I still a nihilist? Am I 80% nihilist? I don't know how that works. I'm not good at math. So so in general, I'm not a fan of labels. I think I'm not a huge philosophy person either. So from what I know about nihilism, I think there are things that nihilism has gotten right as observational and things they've gotten wrong or classically. There were things that didn't work out the way that original nihilists had projected and things that did. And I, I wouldn't consider myself anything. I'd say, here's what I am. We can talk about it. And then we can say, does that fall into nihilism or not? Okay. Um, the reason I asked that for right off the bat is because I, so I think that I've been a nihilist for a long time, longer than I have been an atheist, longer than I've been going through a midlife crisis. Uh, those two things definitely exacerbated the issue. And then, but also I didn't know really what nihilism was for a while. And so I would say that even I was, I was living I was feeling that way without having a uh, a word to put on it. And then I listened to something about a year ago um, that kind of put some things into perspective for me. And so, and, and one of those things being that there's two different types of nihilism. Um, and, and so, and that was part of what I wanted to start, start off with talking about is so um, why don't I read the definition for the listeners um, of nihilism? Just to, <laughs> and for me. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a, it's got a, it's got a little bit of a uh, nebulous feel to it sometimes. So, all right. So this is according to Google, the dictionary part of Google um, is a noun. The rejection. Oh. Of, yeah. Okay. I'm good. The rejection of all religious and moral principles in the belief that life is meaningless. So that's, you know, the, the idea so of life. I'm 50% there. Right, right. 
but it it is specifically it's the you know it's more focused on the side of of life being meaningless or purposeless um and uh to give to give a little there's a secondary one here that i think also applies which is is um it's the philosophical side of it and it says extreme skepticism maintaining that nothing in the world has a real existence so i i will say the the last part i don't think fits me um but i can you know as far i I think nothing in the has that much purpose but existence i feel like i have a harder time with um because i'm not a uh what is it when they believe the matrix or something like that um what's the term uh simulation theory i'm not a simulation okay i was like i don't know the term i don't know you believe we live in a simulation but i don't know the term for that yeah um so anyway the idea that life is meaningless or purposeless um it's futile futile so you're i yeah i so now to go on to to the topic or to to break it down for a second unless you have something you want to say I, I, I mean, I can see where you're going to go for it, but I, I, I recently heard about something called um, optimistic nihilism, which I starts think, in the same place but but lands somewhere different. I think that that's probably just a different term for active nihilism. So the way that I was explained to, or the way I was listening, I can't remember if I read an article or listened to a podcast or something, and they were talking about um, passive active uh, passive nihilism is this idea that. It is almost like an existential crisis with nihilism. Like everything's meaningless. It's it's wallowing in that dread and that feeling of 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 oh god, what do I or oh nothing, what do I do? Um, in that sense of if if there's no purpose, if there's no meaning, then why do I even bother? And then active nihilism was described as being if there is no meaning or purpose then i can define my own meaning and purpose and it drives people um and so like a lot of times if you're an active nihilist you might be like yeah i don't think that there's no heaven to go to there's no greater you know like consciousness or thing that we have to deal with but because of that i feel free to be able to make my life's meaning about activism or about uh, art or helping people or writing or just uh, creating something and and giving yourself purpose and i and i is that is that similar to what you heard with yeah more or less optimistic same thing it's an opportunity to to live yeah. a life rather than a constraint to be to live a life someone else told you to live yeah so i like the idea of of active nihilism my problem is is that i find myself stuck much further on the passive nihilist side than than and 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 I am I am trying to be an active nihilist or trying to focus more on it. I mean, I don't think you help the nihilism. I think you help what you do with it, with that mindset. Um, I don't think you decide I'm going to believe life has no meaning. I think you believe life has no meaning, or you know. So I'm trying to focus it and 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 set set myself on a on a path that I think will have some, you know, some focus and, and it's difficult. Like I said, a few minutes ago, it's tough when you're, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard in a capitalist society. It's. Yeah. And of course, because I'm, you know, because we, as Sarah has said, everything has to come back to atheism. We have this podcast. Uh, Yeah. I think, I think a lot of the religious frameworks that of a lot of our societies revolve around, even if you're not being religious, a lot of our culture comes from in our holidays and, and, and our history, mm-hmm. is like a game of gin rummy. Gin rummy. Religion is gin rummy, quite frankly. So if okay. you play gin rummy, you know you need generally two decks of cards to play gin rummy. So I feel like leaving religion is like being given given being a living religion and looking at life the universe and everything is like saying i have a deck of cards not two decks of cards and and you're trained to think well this deck of cards is useless for me because i need two decks to play gin rummy and everything i've been told about cards is gin rummy's two decks and then you have 
to discover for yourself, well, this Life, the Universe, and Everything deck, there are infinite other games you can play with it mm-hmm. that are not Gin Rummy. You don't need the Gin Rummy game. You can play poker. You can play solitaire if you want. You know, there's, there's no sin to that anymore. Uh, you could play, you know, any game you want with that deck of cards. You could even do card tricks, and as opposed to saying, <clears throat> well, life isn't what I thought it was and what I was trained to think it was. And you know, if there's no X at the end, what's the value of getting to the end? Right. And it's like, well, because you don't have to have X. You know, you know, it, it, X, not having X, and I think the, op, the optimistic part comes in is means that every mistake you made is not that big of a deal because it won't be remembered in a hundred years. That, you know, everything that you stress over is not that big of a deal. It's, it's it, 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 everything is temporary, which means you can focus on living the life you want to live. Bonus points if you live a life that makes other people's lives better. You know, that makes the world better. You know, the more you can mm-hmm. do to that, great. You don't. There's no number you have to hit there's no score you have to reach it's like playing the old um side scrolling games that you, you know and the, that you couldn't win they just play for it's like playing tetris the more you play the better you play the great but you're not trying to win you're just playing until you're done playing great well after that i have nothing to add because there you go ru- i've solved I all know. your existential <laughs> dread no uh, <laughs> no i i it's one of those things where it's in theory, I can get my head around it. It's hard getting my emotional state around it for me. Um, and I'm wondering, so, you know, we've talked about this before, but as somebody who was basically raised non-religiously, I know that you were for certain cultural aspects and stuff, but like, you you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I was raised you, as if I came from the land of Judea and we had Judea yeah. traditions, but there weren't any magic people involved with them. Did Did you have... Did you struggle with this with this idea that there was you know like because because it did I did come from a mindset of there's a heaven and like that was okay I, see we I'm don't even do something. that in Jewland you know? Oh, know like like afterlife I mean there's mentions of afterlife in the Old Testament and in some Talmudic things but it's not a focus you don't live for your afterlife you live to do righteous things in your life you know, that's yeah. the culture is not about reward or punishment it's there's a jewish expression that the sun shines as brightly for the wicked as for the virtuous you know it's like there's no the world doesn't treat you differently based on what you are you just know what you are and you're happier or sadder because of the person you know you are right okay so maybe maybe but i I guess that for since i was raised with you know the idea of a winning and a reward the concept of that not being there anymore is it's it's been one of the la- the hardest things for me to overcome, you know. I, I think I've said this before on the podcast, and um, is that you know the last part of of me admitting to myself that I was an atheist. You know, a lot of atheists talk about they got rid of heaven pretty quick because it made no sense, but it was getting rid of God that was hard. And I was very much the opposite. God made no sense. God's the villain in the book and and heaven is the part that was like this is the this is the thing that makes this all bearable guess you want the 72 virgins i would just take actually i want 72 sluts no (laughs) four or five i'm good do you ever see it was jack i think it was jack black played the devil or that or a demon on snl on an episode when he hosted and he and it was and they were like where are my 72 virgins and he was like no, you don't want virgins. You want, <laughs> you want. That's what it knows what they're doing. Girl, girls who have had a little bit of experience and know <laughs> know their way around it. Um, no, uh, like for me. So I, I, for example, I never met my grandmother, but by all accounts, she was an amazing woman. My mom's mom, um, and my other grandmother, I love very much, and I would love to, the idea of seeing them again. Um, I have, you know, I have a friend that died that I would love to think that she's, you know, she died early. She, you, you, I was working with you the day that she died. I would love to think that she was. I have an alibi. I was working that day. Yeah. Yes. I don't mean it that way. Um, but I would love to think that they're all in heaven and that I'd get to see them again and that they're happy. And so that was a hard part for me. That was a hard, the hardest part for, of me, hardest part for me of religion to let go and and i find it playing into this this sense although i will say i had a lot of this before i when i still believed i had this feeling of like what's the point of all this but i'm just curious if you've as somebody who didn't have that 
who didn't have to get the software upgrade, who just came that way, mm-hmm. did you have have that, this? No, and I would issue? say even even had I been religiously Jewish, to to my knowledge, part of the Jewish tradition is if you go back to that that first book, the Gen, the Jenny one, what's it, Gen, Genevieve's Genesis? Genesis. Um, it's a it's actually named after a Terminator movie. Yeah, when um when Adam and Eve are kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and the angel with the flaming sword stays behind to guard it. The reason is so that they don't eat the fruit of the tree of immortality, because that's mm-hmm. there. And death is your release from the painful life that now they have to live because they left the garden. You know, now they know good and evil. So like death was always seen as the end. You know, it wasn't about afterlife, and it was it was the end you wanted to reach because it, it was freedom for, from having to work, having to drudge, having to be diseased, having to be enslaved, you know, whatever, you know, death, what was the, the ultimate outcome. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's inevitable um, per mm-hmm. Thanos, but it's also the end of suffering, which goes yeah. into that kind of positive nihilism kind of thing of, you know, it all, at the end of the day, what matters is what you do now and how, what you in, what what you do to make the world a better place, what make yourself a better place, to increase um, uh, prosperity, because it doesn't last. Like there is no end. Like to me, the idea of a heaven seems counterproductive. It's like, well, what does it make a difference what I do on Earth if what what counts is the next billion years after I die? Why do I care about the first eighty years if it's the next billion that count? Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me scared about, like, you know, if you're widowed and then get remarried and then they're both in heaven, but what do you do there? That's always confused me. My grandfather was telling me, so, you know, obviously I raised Catholic. So my grandfather was telling me, this was years ago, that he had read something about Mormonism and he thinks You're married forever, yeah. Joseph Smith had one thing right, which was the multiple wives part and that, and... And and he I, and he didn't mean it in a creepy way, but he 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 got remarried to my to my step grandmother when I was five or so. So he's now you know he's he was married to my grandmother for almost thirty twenty six twenty seven years at least, and then he's been married to my step grandmother for thirty something years. And he was like, if I get there, you know, like I'm gonna. I'm going to have two of them and they, yeah. they knew each other and they, you know, they, he doesn't think it's going to be a problem, but um, <laughs> it was. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. I thought you were going the other way with Mormonism because Mormonism, besides the fact that you, there, there was multiple wives, but they believe also that marriage is for, is forever and eternity. Like you're not supposed to get remarried. Like the oh, person you're with is the person you're with forever because they're going to be waiting for you. Well, you know, the man gets his own planet and the wife gets to live on the planet or wives get to live on the planet that the man has. So it has to be waiting for them. You know, like the wives don't get a second um, planet to choose from, from what I understand. Yeah. You know, I'm not an expert, but, you know, yeah. my company does have a headquarters in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so your second family is there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. made the uh, pandemic, you know, first part rough. Like, which family do you stay home with? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I still wonder about that. How many people, how many guys was the jig up for? And how many guys got caught because they had two families and there's, you have to shelter at home. Come home, honey. Uh, oops. Side 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 note for a second. A few weeks ago, so every every week at work we do a like a random topic that we talk about for about a half an hour. The whole the whole department talks about on a call, and it's usually something fun and on unwork related. And we always try to come. You know, I, I'm the one who organizes it every week, and so I have I, I ask my coworkers that are in the office, like, "Oh, what, anybody got any ideas for this week's topic?" And one of my coworkers said, um, "Oh, what if what if we picked what time period we would like to live in most?" And uh, one of my co another one of my coworkers said, uh, "Mountain time." Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer. No, she, one of my coworkers said. Ew, no, because somebody's gonna say the fifties like a creep, uh, or no, fifties like a racist, or or you know, like the good old days when marriage was great, and and they were like talking about that, and and then and and I'm in an office with basically all women, and so and they you know, not everybody in the department's all women, but but everybody in the office is, and so they start talking about it, and I laughed, and I said, 
my answer was the 50s, but not for the terrible reasons you mean, for a completely different terrible reason. And they were like, all looked at me, and I was like, because you could have a family in Cary and a family in Apex, and they would never meet each other. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of the meaningless of life doesn't really... The death part isn't the scary part for me, which I think is interesting. It's not the part that gives me that that dread. Like I get it, I'm going to be dead. Like no big deal. I'm I've been wanting it been for there a while before. Uh, yeah, and that too. And I it doesn't. But the part that I think I'm worried about is making it to seventy or whatever that age is. It, that like yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's definitely you're not going to accomplish your dreams now, but you still get to live thirty years regretting that. <laughs> you're not going to get to you you know what i mean like there's there's some you're i'm trying to be nice and say that you're not in that i don't know if you are in that or not uh i feel like to some extent i feel like i'm getting that. like i feel like i'm a year away from that which is also like making me nervous too, i just don't have like, any dreams so it doesn't really make a difference yeah that's good. well i mean i had fantasies but not dreams. like oh be a world famous comedian but i never work to make that happen by the time i was talented yeah. enough to be a comedian i had a wife and family and it wasn't in the cards to give up my wife and family the way my friends who are road comics have horrible personal lives in my opinion you know i would not want yeah. they, they may be fine with it but i don't want the personal lives that they have yeah. um, no i so, get that yeah so I, and, and you know it's funny because you say like that but i forgot the wording you said but life not having meaning maybe is what you said and it goes back to the deck of cards. Me, it's like, well, no, like a deck of cards has no game, but when you pick the game, then it has meaning. You know, so life right. doesn't have a preset meaning, but it can have whatever meaning you assign to it. Yeah, but I, I can That's see true. your point about realizing that. You know, I want to be a filmmaker, and when you hit seventy-nine, you're like, you yeah, know, maybe I'm not going to be a filmmaker after all. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, when do when do I give up on it and try to like, and like, I I I do genuinely try to enjoy. You know, I, I I love Sarah and I love Logan and I love spending time with them and they. But are... I would leave them in a second. <laughs> no, <laughs> they are one of my two dreams. But my other dream is to be a filmmaker, or writer, or something creative, and have that be like my thing, like the thing that I do. And and to some extent, they they feel like incompatible dreams. And I've always had that aspect kind of fighting in my head, the way that you were just describing. Like I've thought about that, like. I I didn't I, I loved the idea of being a comedian for a long time. I didn't really go to open mics when I was in relationships because I was like, well, this relationship isn't compatible with that. And it basically every relationship I've been in has has not been compatible with that. And as far as filmmaking, I, you know, ultimately I'm like, oh, do I do it on Logan's summer vacations? Like, how do I, like, if I ever got to that point, like, how do I make that work? And, and so like, there's all these things conflicting in my head that I've been trying to, I feel like you have a point by grabbing that. Or... No, just, you know, feeling sad for you. I need oh, my, yeah. I'm, I'm cuddling a teddy bear, everybody, just cause I need to, you know, feel loved. So, I don't know. It's not, I mean, I, it's weird because I feel like, I guess the part of me is like, is like when I have so much that I'm really happy with, why isn't it enough to just go to work every day? And part of, I guess part of it's also time. Like I go to, I, I, I don't know if, and this could be, maybe this isn't nihilism. Maybe this is aging and I'm not, but like time is really starting to, I feel like it's slipping. It's, I feel slipping, like slipping into the future. I don't, I don't know what that's from. <laughs> it's, a, it's a song. Never mind. I, okay. Um, I'll send you a like, link later. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, so my cousin, his girlfriend had a baby and I don't know if that was two weeks ago or a month ago. I have lost all track of how, of when this baby was born. Sarah thinks it was two weeks ago. I feel like that could be right. But I've also, in that two weeks, I've done so much, so I've lost track of, like, and, and I have, I feel like I'm 100% have no track of time anymore. Like, I've been coaching Logan's baseball for what feels like three months. It's been four and a half weeks. Like, 
I, I I have zero sense of it, and and it's it it's almost like I almost feel like, and part of that's the monotony, and they're like, oh, you go to work every day, and you go to bed, and then you go to work, and then you go to bed, um, and I just it's been weighing so heavily on me. I'll give another example. This is a terrible parenting, great comedic uh, moment for me. So Sunday night, so Logan's birthday was this past weekend, and he had great had a great weekend. Sunday night, he says, I don't really want to go to school tomorrow. And I said, Logan, you got to go to school tomorrow. I said, you go to school for five days. Mommy and I go to work for five days. The days go by way too quick. And then it's a weekend, which goes by even quicker. And then it's time for another week. And we just keep doing that until we either retire or we die. And he just looked at me like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm seven. What are you talking about, you psycho? And Sarah was like, no, it, that's how it feels. Like, So a lot of the topics that you and I talk about on this show, Sarah doesn't have any, any like... Uh, she doesn't connect with particularly well a lot of them and when i told her about 20 minutes before we started recording i was talking to her and i was like oh yeah tonight we're talking about nihilism and she goes oh what's oh she said what what i think she didn't know what nihilism was and i was like it's you know the sense of meaning of life being meaningless and she goes oh i 100 percent get it she goes sometimes i think about like a bug's life and then i realize that we're just doing not the movie a bug's life just like a bug an insect's life she goes, and I realized that we are just big insects and that this is all as meaningless as their tiny little lives. And like someone could just step on us and kill us. And, and I was like, oh shit. Oh shit, Sarah. She's worse than deeper. me. It's the one topic that she went kind of deeper than me on. And uh, like in down the rabbit hole. And I'm just like, oh shit. I get it. I just watched, uh, you know, we lost internet this weekend. We had no internet from Saturday morning until this morning. And uh, so we went old school and we watched a Blu ray of nice. marvel's the avengers you know and the whole thing with loki and like does the boot you know care about does the yeah. ant you know care about the boot when the boot comes down you know so you know i get it yeah. I, I feel the boot i, I get yeah. that reference yeah oh it's it it is uh man it's just like it's yeah, so it's funny because i you know as i remember I'm not an expert in nihilism or philosophy in general. I listen to some philosophy podcasts because I enjoy the discussions that I'm not smart enough to partake in, um, except with you, because you know, hey. Um, but you're definitely smart <laughs> enough with me. But um, but I was listening to something at one point about like not like the history of nihilism kind of thing, where you know, as a general philosophical thing, it goes back to Aristotle, but with without the name nihilism. Like the nihilism came like you know, more modern times like Nietzsche and Kierkegaard and stuff like that was when nihilism as a name started for it. But, but Aristotle wrote nihilistic type stuff. Yeah. And, but like when say when uh, Nietzsche was talking about his concern that now that God is dead, meaning societally wise, as we're moving away from religion, nihilism was what's left because the framework we had of why we live and why we do, we do is all tied up in religion. He's like, there's nothing to replace it. So we're doomed you know, right. to become nihilistic. And to that, I say Nietzsche is dead. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think he was, his, his analysis was right that getting in a post-religious life or wherever life, even if your people are part of religion, but don't live their lives completely around what the religion tells them it should be, uh, you know, not living in a monastery, reinscribing books over and over again and making beer. Uh, you do have to make your own way. And it's part, part of it is, what do you need to be fulfilled and does it need to be I'm going to be a massive filmmaker or can it be on weekends I'm going to go out with Sarah and Logan and we're going to make little short movies you know ones that yeah. are legal uh you know, you know cuz it's not like it's about my comedy life right for I started doing improv workshops when I was 12 and I did it up until college and never really performed I just did workshops and learned stuff and then college I got too busy drinking to do comedy but like after college i started performing improv comedy and within two years i was directing a troupe and you know and it was enough for me to do comedy on weekends and have it not be what i was trying to do for my my career and my life it was just doing it to enjoy it and and i owe that to my father 
who is a musician, but was a pharmacist and then an orthotist and owned a business. He was a musician at nights and weekends. And saying like, you can have your art that you love. It doesn't have to be what you do for a living. You can do just enough of it to fulfill you um, and, and to create what you want to create. So that was always my example set for me and my take on it. And I try to instill in the kids is do whatever you want to do. Do it wonderfully to make yourself happy. You don't have to have an externally set goal for it to be fulfilling for you. But it's tough if you aren't raised that way because then it's hard. How do you shake? I, I get how do you shake that? It's it's easy to say. It's hard to to break. Yeah, yeah. No, that's you did. That was good. Um, I that might have that might have done the trick. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, um, like if you look at Leah, you know, Leah is you know um, um, coming on our show to talk about activism because that's what her career is now. She you know works for an activism group, but when she's sitting at home, she's not sitting at home activisting. She's got her guitar or ukulele or her mandolin or her piano or her bass or her banjo, and she's playing music and she's writing songs. And sometimes her songs are activism related. Okay, all the ones she's written have been activism related. But, you know, the music, she does music because that's what she loves doing, but she's yeah. not trying to make her career as doing music because uh, she doesn't need that much from it. She only needs it to, to fulfill her. Right. That makes sense. I just want, so you mentioned at the beginning of, of this bit, uh, that it's easy for you to talk philosophy with me, uh, because, and, and the implication being, because I'm not as smart as those guys, which I'm fine with. Um, because neither I am I. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to say, so. You got a master's. Sam, I don't. Sam, what am I talking about? Yeah, I have a master's in creative writing. I wouldn't like that. <laughs> I have a bachelor's in creative writing. Come on. Okay. <laughs> Sarah Sarah was saying to me a few weeks ago she was listening to one of the episodes and she she said that she thinks I edit the show unfairly to you to make myself seem funnier than you and I was like I was like do you think that I seem funnier than him so you'd have to edit me out completely yeah I was like I was like I mean I do edit a lot of what Matthew says out but not to make myself seem funny it's because it's like the it's because it's a ridiculous thing that I cannot leave in my podcast (laughs) and she goes well you you do this thing when you're editing where when you come in when you're coming back from a story you go so anyway (laughs) she goes and I know that Matthew was just being hilarious when you said that and I'm like okay so it's because you know that but I'm like but he's still funnier than me on the podcast and she goes i don't know well maybe and but i was like okay so you're you're reading into it you're you're understanding the 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 behind the scenes a bit more because of that but so anyway uh, <laughs> i also um it's like it reminds me of all the puzzle and thunderstorm podcasts where they go you know when eli goes off on wanting to do violence to political figures and it's like and they all go what was that beeping sound what was all that beeping yeah um, we, I, we talked about it, I think last week or whatever, but with all the inside jokes or the, the show jokes that we've already set up that have just come naturally and all, and we've also talked about my favorite movie of all time, uh, which is man on the moon. And there's a scene in man on the moon where, where, uh, Danny DeVito, uh, as George Shapiro is ripping into Andy and Bob Zamuda. And he says, you guys are doing this just to to. It's a joke that only you two understand. And they, and they go, "Yeah, but we think it's hilarious." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh," and I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, "Oh, that's kind of what this podcast is." It's like, yeah. is is Matthew and I get all these jokes? There's the inside jokes about hating about my dad hating him, and <laughs> and now they'll be so anyway. And... So anyway, well, I mean, like the time you talked about, I don't know if it made the cut or not because I think I was funny when you said it, but. uh that when I do my CK's kitchen uh, video channels, that whenever I say I just washed my hands or I turn away from the sink and like leave it in the edit so you can see me, what you think, yeah. you know, it's because one time you said I touched the chicken, then I touched the instant pot and I didn't wash my hands. So I make sure it's visible yeah. every time and it's just for you. If yeah, other people uh, enjoy it, fine, but I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for you. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. We used to say in my old comedy group when I was in the comedy sports um, franchise in Raleigh, not everyone will get the joke, but the right people will get the joke. Nice. Yeah. Well, at this point, I don't know how many people are actually listening. Uh, I think about a dozen. Get... You think it's a dozen? Yeah. 
Are you just pulling that number out of your ass, or can you actually see, like, have you looked at the stats at all? I don't know. I get an email every once in a while from the app saying a dozen, 12 people have downloaded your podcast. And I'm like, I don't even, how do you know that? But we've had 64 downloads in the last 30 days. Uh, let's see, all time, 554, which is not that great when this is episode 26 or 27. Yeah, so it's like a dozen each. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's, I think we're getting close to 20 each, but yeah. Yeah. Um, it's because people, like I don't, we're not getting the the cross promotion benefits that I thought we would. I probably need to do more on Instagram, but I always forget. Like by the time I remembered to do anything about the episode Leah was on, uh, the next episode had already come out. I'm like, it's mm, weird now. <laughs> you gotta do it because Twitter. there was updates. Yeah, gotta... There was uh, there were updates on her political on the story about uh the 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 gun law that we were talking about on that episode but they they came like the day after the next episode aired and i was like mm-hmm. timing but yeah i don't understand the point so at this point i just lo- look at this podcast as uh, us doing it to have a chance to hang out with each other and, and have fun and and discuss cool yeah so me. so when i used to write more than i write the way I would describe it was, for me, writing is a form of self-communication. The fact that other people may read it later wasn't as important as writing was to get my thoughts out to myself and to organize them. And I feel similar about most artistic endeavors that I do. Like I perform comedy. I, you know, I like to perform for an audience. I don't do it by myself. But I do what I want to do. I mean, and, right. and I think the great Adam Sandler said, you know, I think that what I do is funny and that other people will find it funny. And, you know, thankfully I have been right a lot of the time. Yeah. So, but I'm not doing it because I think the audience is going to think it's funny. I do it. I mean, to, sometimes, you know, there's the occasional, you know, Oh, this will get a laugh. I'll say this, but for the most part, yeah. I'm saying what makes me happy to say. Yeah. There's a huge part of that where I need to get just used to that in life. And, and I, that's, that was kind of where I was going at, the last you know um he so so the idea of uh you know obviously writing or this podcast we have having to do it for our own enjoyment and focus on that i think that's something that i really had a hard time with for a long time in just what's the masturbation joke no not a masturbation joke. it just you just you sounded like you were going to go into a song from chorus line oh dance 10 looks three like Dance for my own enjoyment. That ain't it, kid. That ain't it, kid. No. Dance ten looks three. It's like to die. Sorry. That's okay. So, so first line on Broadway. I'm old. Yeah. I have seen bits and pieces of the. Is it Michael Douglas that's in it? Uh yeah, and uh Terrence Mann plays his like choreographer, like his right hand, you know, assistant, and um he was uh from the movie Critters. He, played the hero in the movie critters and he was, was uh, also the original rum tum tugger and cats and also one time he and i had breakfast together it's <laughs> nice. the only reason i bring it up <laughs> i was thinking it was that was of zod but that's terrence stamp i think yeah anyway um but i i think that like this this it's something that i've had to kind of teach myself and, I, and i'm not i figured it out in little ways um and I have, and I haven't figured out how to apply it overall to my life yet. Is, but I think so. Uh, like, I, so anyway, so anyway, so I, um, you know, when I, I did those YouTube videos, you know, you you and I, you helped me with a lot of them. But I, for a long time, I was doing YouTube videos, and it became I got to do a YouTube video, and it was that was leading me because I wanted to have a YouTube video ready to go, and I know that we kind of do that with this podcast, but. I also like wouldn't if we didn't have a topic ready to go as uh, we had a topic and we didn't stick with it. What was it two weeks ago or last week? Uh, mm-hmm. And we and it just went out without a topic. Like so, I'm not like I'm trying to be not rigid about things like that. I'll say one I mean, of my favorite videos that we did though when we were doing the videos was when you came to my desk and said, "I need to do a video today. I have an idea of a one line joke. Can you do a scene based on it?" And we did the um, Anthony's detoxification uh seminar uh the toxic masculinity yeah the the toxic masculinity detoxification and it's what and we did it in one take (laughs) 
it, and it's good. one of my favorite things we ever did. And it was because you were like, I need something filmed today because I need to edit it and have it up. Yeah. Well, there is a benefit to creativity to under extent. pressure. And, and it's better with a partnership. It's absolutely better that way. When it's solo, it's difficult. Um, that was why I, you know, this podcast before I brought you on is I was just like having, I was floundering if there was a week because I didn't, it was like, I have to get on there. I don't have anybody that's a guest to come on. And I'm just going to like rant, rant into the microphone with you. It's a conversation and whether or not, you know, like we have a topic, there's going to be something there. And so like, it's more, this is fun for me. And this, the fun has been leading it now. And, and I was, I don't know if you listened to last week's episode of um, dear old dads, but they kind of talked about how they recorded for a while without ever having you know made any money. And, and then it was like, wait a second, I can, I can make money doing this. And yeah, they're talking about Cogdis, like it was on, and uh, and yeah. um, Thomas in the Bible. You both before there was Patreon, like they did podcasts for years just to yeah. do them, and there was no way to monetize them. Right, and like for me, I've been trying really hard to not think of this as a business. I, I it's been easy because we've made zero dollars, and I've spent <laughs> a fair amount of money. It's on you know, this microphone and these subscriptions, but um, I, I just been trying to think of it as like this is my fun hobby, and if it if something happens with it, that's awesome, and if not, and I think I've done pretty good with that. I am trying really hard to figure out how to make that the way I look at life, and I am, I, I'm getting there, but I am definitely the the time issue with like every day feeling like monotonous and feeling like there's no point has been eating at me. And, and just the idea of like, Oh, I'm going to be doing this thing every day until I die. And it's not something that I'm like passionate about. That's like, it's, it's just, it's been weird. I'm also, like I said, at that age where, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 39 and while I know I have a lot of life ahead of me, I am already not like... Not that much. Well, it depends. If the bus comes tomorrow. <laughs> Speaking of nihilism, so... <laughs> <laughs> this isn't really nihilism. This is just like, this is my own morbidity, or that like, or morbidness. I don't Morbidity would be my like life and death, but this is my morbid sense of humor or my morbid lo- outlook on things. I, a few weeks ago at work was talking and I don't see this as a negative. Everyone else thinks I'm being negative, but I was not being negative. And that is so this is my this is how I want to die. And I want it for anybody who wants it. So like I've told my dad this, my dad's on board. Uh he would he would like not this very specific, but otherwise yes. So I want the day before it all goes downhill, whether it's Alzheimer's or you know, some kind of terrible cancer or whatever the thing is smothering you with a pillow any of those things no whatever the thing is that takes that that's going to degenerate my life that's going to make my life miserable the day before that was about to happen i want to step in front of a speeding bus and not on purpose i I don't want to ever know any of these things were coming i just want like oh like it was a really nice spring day i had a nice panini i'm walking back to my car and lights out that's how I want to go out. And everyone was telling me how creepy that is and how morbid that is. And I was like, no, but from my perspective, I just had my last amazing day and then it was over as opposed to, oh, now I have, uh, I don't know, like what's the, I have not colon cancer. What's the pe- pancreatic Pancre- cancer? Pancreatic would be the one that's, I, yeah. The, I have pancreatic cancer or I have alzheimer's or lou gehrig's or this and i get i get that people can have very fulfilling lives on that but i barely have any a fulfilling life with nothing <laughs> wrong with me so i don't see how knowing i have it. 50 years left is, <laughs> is, is unfulfilling and so like everyone my boss my boss's boss they were all like what the fuck are you talking about and i was just like no it's not negative it's a positive i don't understand and they're like no people want to die in their sleep i'm like you don't die in your sleep without getting a lot older like you don't die in your sleep at like 56 57 you you just you get start to get those problems and they were like well yeah but like but 
what if you didn't get those pearls? I'm like, every, I'm like, there, there is no, uh, there's very few people that are making it to some ripe old age, dying in their sleep, and didn't have like years of discomfort, physical and mental discomfort at the end. I just don't believe that it really exists for any statistical amount of people. And and I was like, so I'd rather just have like a good life. Yeah, I... but there's also the frog in boiling water. Did we say that in the podcast two weeks ago? Um, effect. I don't think so. That, you know, if you're slowly losing your physicality, losing your mental acuity, you know, it's, it's not as shocking as you looking at your father now and saying, oh, I, to, if I get Alzheimer's, I'll be like that tomorrow. You know, it's a slow thing to where well, that's he, your normal the whole time. Like if, you know, so I'm saying to, the, to your people who like, I don't think anybody lives a perfect life till the end, unless it's a shocking ending, like in by bus, there's people who that it's a gradual decline. And like my parents are in their eighties and they're not in great health. Um, in general, in general, like, like they don't move around that much. They don't get, they, they can't drive to New York anymore. They can't do a nine hour drive. You know, they can't, they, you know, need, need the cane if they're going to go for extended walking kind of stuff, but it came on them slowly. So yeah. they still want to live. They're not like, if you might think, oh man, if I was like that tomorrow, I wouldn't want to live anymore, but right. it's been a slow change to them. So they've had a chance to get to use and reassess and readapt to, you know, sure. what they do. Sure. But I'm already on the slope now. Yeah. Um, like my back hurts all the time. Um, I, I, I just don't want, I don't want to get used to that anymore. I just want, yeah. I just want to have, I want to live in the de- degenerated body that I have currently until I'm like, say 65, 70. And then I want to step in front of that bus the day before it takes. See, you are a selfish, selfish person. What well, you should, you should not want to step in a bus. That's a horrible thing. Your coworkers, are right? What you should want to do is find an opportunity to die a hero okay like that so you, you want to like see a burning building and said oh yeah. man this is it how many kids can i get out before i fry you know just something awesome. exciting just say, so anyway go on vacation to dc with the so gun. anyway um so anyway i okay i like your burning building idea but here's the problem <laughs> i am afraid of fire a, uh, no you're getting close you're almost there this is a, clin- a clinical condition known as i am a coward and that's the very reason why, like, I don't think, like, if you told me, like, oh, you now have, uh, you know, ALS and you're going to be, you're going to be in a wheelchair and unable to move in a couple of years, I don't think I'd be, like, able to pull the trigger. That's why I need the bus. I need the bus. I don't think I could go, like, I, I'm ready to go. I'm going to go in that burning building. I need the bus to take care of the problem for me. And I never, in that situation, I'm like, Life is beautiful. Life is great. And, and, you know, what my, so my boss, well, she said to me, uh, when I was talking about this, she goes, Michael, what about the children on the bus? And I was like, oh, no, no, this isn't a school bus. This is like a city bus doing like, (laughs) why would you assume school bus? That's like, I guess that's a suburban thought. Like, I don't know what a bus uh, is except for school bus. And she was like, and I was like, it's doing at least 50. And, and, and it's gonna and, back over me afterwards just to make sure. Yeah. And she and she goes, Well, there could still be kids on a on a um a city bus. And I was like, Yeah, but like poor kids. <laughs> I want the last thing I see as I turn and see the bus about to hit me is the out of service sign. So I know there are no kids on the bus. <laughs> I don't know. The thing is is that I don't need to know any of it. Right. I don't need to know out like, of service. Right. I don't like to me, I can what I'm wishing for. A lot of it doesn't involve my knowledge at the end. Like, and I was like, you yeah. know, ultimately I'll have my wallet on me so they so, don't have to identify my body. Like, Sarah so won't have to come find the pancake. I think we have the solution to all our problems. I think you've stumbled upon it. We, here's our new business model. Yeah. We, we, we need to go into business with, with some doctors who have a practice. Okay. And what we do is our services is people sign up in advance for this, that if they ever get diagnosed with something terminal, instead of their doctor telling them, they give them permission through HIPAA to tell us and we arrange for an accident so their person doesn't have to face. And that's our retirement plan for us too. the day that we get diagnosed, we take care of each other. So, so we, uh, we arrange for like the most attractive person of the gender or genders or people plural that that person's attracted to to meet them in a bar and seduce them give them the time of their life and then we go in and quietly 
take care okay. of their passing for them. I might cut this out just so this is so an we amazing, can do it. It's an amazing sci-fi idea. I know that's what I was thinking. Right, so right, my right, first right. thought was this is a great science fiction story <laughs> or, or yeah. just fiction. Um, um, so the I other thing. Just, sorry. I just wanted to get back to You mentioned my dad. So my dad right now is, even though he has Alzheimer's, he is the happiest he's ever been in his life. Like Because he doesn't remember you. Yeah. I mean, I, I am the biggest mistake probably. Um, but he, 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 hates he me. is at that point. He's at that. Yeah, he does hate you. No, he, he would hate you. He doesn't <laughs> even know you exist. No, <laughs> he, um, he's, he's in a great spot right now. And so I don't wish this for him right now, but I've told him, like I said, like, Oh, I just hope that the day that this, that Alzheimer's takes the turn the day before that you get hit by a bus. And he said, I appreciate it. He goes, I appreciate the thought. I would rather it be literally any other vehicle than a bus. (laughs) And I said, my last trip is on a damn city bus. (laughs) And, And well, I said, I said, why? And he goes, well, so his grand, his paternal grandfather, who he spoke to one time in his life, um, and was just a complete piece of shit. Uh, he stepped in front of a bus and was killed in Paris, like right near the Arc de Triomphe. And my dad has always joked for the last 35 years since it happened, or maybe it was 40 years since it happened, that, um, that that's because, because he didn't, because my dad, and so he was like, yeah, see, he's dead. He's he's dead to me. Now he's literally dead. So my dad was like, I don't want to go out the way that guy went out. And so that's his whole thing. He's like, oh, but, you know, 18-wheeler I'm fine with. Like, he was, <laughs> that was his only, his only I thing. I would like, like a Ferrari, know? please. No, no, wait. Corvette, an American-made car. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. I just want to, yeah. you know, go out like, like, um, like my grandfather did on, you know, on the bus. He just, you know, was quiet, not screaming like his passengers. Yeah, I knew what you were about to say. Yeah. So you mentioned ALS as being the diagnosis that you want to have before I hit you with a bus. Um, God damn it. Are you familiar with Dave Warnock? He, yes. He's been on the, the podcast that we listen to. You yeah. may want to you know, get his book. You know, he wrote his, his memoir. Yeah. Um, uh, what was it? Childish Things. And it's yeah. about his coming to grips with and uh, his ALS diagnosis, and you know, a- after leaving religion and becoming an atheist, and his after being like a preacher. And, uh, it's it's not that ALS is it, well, it, to me. Yeah. It's one of the most horrific things that I can think. Yeah, of. yeah. I know. I just because you said ALS reminded me of Dave because because you because yeah. you mentioned ALS specifically. But I mean, but yeah. it's about it's but it's all about the the decline of my health into oh, yeah. knowing you know definite depth you know in a, in a short term but yeah. living the most of his life before then and, and yeah. you know rather than having it end quickly and i think about my so, uncle um he so he um his mother died when she was young like in her 30s and he of a genetic problem so he's my father's half brother my my grandfather got remarried so it's not in my family because it was from his mother um but he and his twin brother both assumed they would be dead in their 30s, and they ended up living until their late 50s because more modern time, more modern, um, healthier right. life, blah, blah, blah. But they still had the same genetic condition. Um, and he was at one point given six months to live. And at that point, he quit his job, which was a pretty good job. He was a music manager. He was in the music business. It was a pretty cool job to have. But he decided he wanted to be an actor, and he started taking acting lessons. And he was he ended up, because of aggressive chemo and stuff, living for almost two years instead of six months so he was in off-broadway plays he was extra in tons of movies and tv movies and stuff he um you know took acting lessons and comedy improv lessons the reason i did improv was i did it at my lessons at the same place he got his lessons um he bought a computer and this was like in the mid 80s when you know it was expensive as hell to have a personal computer like i know all it did was like word <laughs> like yeah no, it was yeah. word perfect you didn't even have word it, it wasn't even a microsoft product then but uh cpm was his operating system so uh yeah so but he you know lived a ton in that last two years that because he knew that his time was almost up yeah so sometimes it That's can awesome. be liber- so like same as like um the optimistic nihilism it could be liberating to know that no, time is up you don't have to worry about long-range plans you don't have to worry about you know what what I do now, what do I do in 10 years? Or do I have enough money to last through this? It's enjoy yourself for the next, you know, six months, one, 12 months, 24 months, because that's all you got. And right. it, it can be freeing to have that and not have to worry about the long range plans. 
Yeah. Think like when you know you're quitting a job and you're like, what are they going to do? Fire me? You can do whatever you want. You're, you're free. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I'll rent the bus if I need to. I, I, I hear you. I understand the request. Yeah. So when my dad, when my dad first was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, we talked a lot about um, death, and and him and I joked about it a lot, and it made Sarah and my mom and my sister very uncomfortable. And one of my favorite moments was this was very early on after his his diagnosis, and uh, you know I said something about the year that Logan turns eighteen, I turn fifty, my dad turns seventy five. And my grandfather will be a hundred that year. And I said, we could have like a big party for all of us. And my dad said, Oh, well, I won't be there. I won't be alive still. And I said, you know, like, you don't know. I said, um, Stephen Hawking was given two, two years to live basically with that diagnosis. And he lived almost 50 years more. And my dad said to me, well, Stephen Hawking had something that I don't have. And I was like, oh, what's that? And he goes, a will to live. <laughs> <laughs> and which has changed. Like the Alzheimer's has given him more. Like he yeah. now he's like a lot less dark about it now. But at the beginning, he was like, yeah, like I don't want to be around. Like, And so to me, when you talk about Raphael Warnock, not Raphael Warnock. Raphael different, Warnock. Different, Dave. Dave Warnock. Dave Warnock. He's not Dave. a senator. He's an ex-preacher. <laughs> Both both kind of on the on the right side of things so i you know that wasn't <laughs> yeah. an insult to either um but he you know when you talk about him i think like well i hope that you know he seems to be doing great and i hope that he he seems like a great guy i hope he's living a, a good good life i just don't know that i could do it yeah so anyway i think that we are we're at about an hour yeah by the time you Very take it little... all my by the time i take out my funny jokes it'll be you know, 20 minutes. Yeah, there's very little for us to edit out of that episode. Um, so anyway. <laughs> so anyway, just Logan Logan peeing, and uh, there's one other part. Uh, this like, visiting I'm, D.C. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> part. That part that I don't want to get put on some kind of fucking I was list. careful with my words. <laughs> Go on vacation. Yeah. One final vacation. What was all that beeping sound? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's getting cut. Um, so anyway, uh, do you have anything that you would like to plug this week? I don't have a, a URL yet. Yeah. So yesterday I went and did a reading. I have a friend who for, um, seven years, maybe now has been hosting a reading of all of Shakespeare sonnets. They does it over like two days. Um, not, not, not 48 hours, but two, like half, half of them done in one day, half done another day. And yeah. he, and he was short, uh, readers to read the sonnet so he asked well he always asks if i do it and i, and I always kind of blow him off because i have no desire to but this time he was like really need help doing it we got a lot of empty slots so madhavi and i were supposed to go then she had a fever so just i went and had the two sonnets hers and mine and i had barely looked at mine let alone hers so i brought both blue stools and blooper and they read the sonnets instead of me and uh, it was it was very well uh, received, but um, I don't have a link for it yet, so I can only talk about the fact that I did it and it was fun. At some point. hey, if if Matthew has a link for it before the show goes up on Friday morning, I will link it in the show notes. If not, we can add it to next week's show notes. Yeah, I'd um, say it's it was it's it's called Fairest Creatures, the Science of William Shakespeare. So maybe it's going to be searchable somewhere on YouTube or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah, if I have a link, I will share it. Cool. It was and fun. I, yeah, that's good. Um, I will actually promote, you already mentioned it, uh, our CK or whatever it was. Ver, um, toxic Tony, it was Tony. Video, Tony. Tony and CK was, are very similar, but they're not the same. Right, CK right. is a little more restrained than Tony. No, so to, Tony will be, um, we're going to, we're going to, I'll put the in the show notes, but it's, it's a, toxic masculinity seminar what is it like two minutes long yeah it's... it was it was anthony's apologies and the then the sequel was anthony's apologies tony's masculine toxic uh masculine toxicity, yeah. toxicity but he didn't i can't remember how i said it yep <laughs> all right everybody well thank you for listening and 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 checking out our big stuff um that's not how you said it right how did you say it the last <laughs> few weeks 
Thanks for handling our big stuff gently. Nope, that's not it nope. either. Nope. Thanks for uh, letting our big stuff enter you. Enter, nope. enter your holes. Uh, <laughs> your ear holes. Ear holes. Um, no, thank you all for listening. And if you uh, want to share, if any you've of got the big episodes, stuff, if you're feeling nihilistic, uh, you could share any of the episodes of this with with a friend that you might think would like it or an enemy. Um, we don't care. Yeah. We don't give a shit. Like just, just let people know about our podcast. If you think that they would like it. Um, and you know, maybe give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, preferably good. But if you're going to be, if you're gonna give us a bad one, this is all I ask. If you're going to give us a bad one, make it memorable and funny. So if you're going to give us a bad review, please just like shit on us properly. Um, that's a whole nother big question. That is a oh, we should do an episode about kinks and that and big stuff being kinks. That'd be fun. I don't know who we'd have on though. <laughs> Our wives, maybe. <laughs> yeah, except that Sarah would not talk about it. Well, I don't think. Maybe two would drinks. Bonavie? Oh, okay. I also think like there's a lot of times where like. If I said something, Sarah would be like, I think you're just saying that to be funny. And I'd be like, am I, though? <laughs> so. Madhavi could talk about her kinks, but I'd have to take the gag out. Nice. Nice. All right. And on that uh, BDSM note. Oh, my God. So, I'm sorry. This is a new, <laughs> another side note. We're going to go to another spot. So, at my company has a role... Uh, called the BDM, which is like business development manager. And every time I'm talking about one of the few people that's in this BDM role, I always want to say the BDSM role. <laughs> and it has taken so much effort. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, that person who's in the um, BDM role, because I have to make sure that I don't say BDSM role because they all I know. Even, I don't even enough. know what that means. Yeah, sure you do. No, actually, uh, when I was in France in January, some people in my team, right at the end of the meeting when it was breaking up, for some reason they were talking about that. And they're, you know, my French colleagues, you know, as you can imagine, are not as HR restrictive as uh, we are in the US. And for some reason they were talking about BDSM in English. And one of them said, like, well, what does it mean in English? What are the, what are the words? You know, they knew what it is, but they didn't know what the literal words were. And a colleague of mine, I, I, I was just walking over and I got there at the tail end of this, but a colleague of mine said, oh, it means bondage, domination, and sadomasochism. And they're all like, oh, okay, oh. But then like, wait, how do you know? And they're all just like ripping on him. And it became the thing to just, he's the BDMS guy, BDSM guy, and, they're and every one of our, our you know, uh, virtual meetings are talking about it. They're just cracking on him all the time. And then a month later, we're in France again, and I'm doing hosting duties for the global marketing team. And the start of each uh, day's time, I'm introducing a little bit about each of the newcomers, anyone who's been hired or joined the team in the last year since the previous meeting. And I'm doing it like um, WWE wrestling announcer style and, you know, screaming my head off and whatever. And when I get to him or this guy in my group, I my like I have it'll kill the five people on my team who know the joke will die if I reference it in front of 250 marketers. So I say his name and I say he's known globally as being smart as a whip. And <laughs> and on the video that someone was taking, you hear my coworker Sarah cackle. I mean, she has the most unique cackling laugh, and you just hear her just burst out laughing. And I found it after that one of the um, organizers of the meeting in my group who was in that who in that in that first conversation but he's not part of our team that meets regularly he just walked back into the auditorium when he heard me say smart as a whip and heard sarah cackle and he just heard the word whip heard her laughing and went oh what did he say <laughs> like was terrified of what i did it was great because there was a guy talking about the private inside joke five people knew that was a bdsm joke everybody else most French people probably didn't get what smart as a whip means anyway, but most people just think it's a, you know, it's an idiom. It doesn't mean anything bad. Yeah. No. Funny uh, to me. Yeah. I, I won't ball gag you about that. Yeah. On, on these topics. 
but anyway, switching gears, or um, I meant to it meant that I meant to use that better, but that didn't come out right. But I was gonna with the switch, but um, <laughs> anyway. So anyway, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for uh, for Sarah to listen to this episode and just be like, "What the fuck did it devolve to in the end?" And I'll be like, "Hey, uh, do you want to get on there and talk about our kinks?" And she hear the part I edited out. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. New next new. <laughs> P P. This is the fun. It's like when you were 14, you're writing a P-P-P-S. letter to your girlfriend. P P P S. Yeah. So, Sarah. So one of the things that Sarah and I talk about that I think is very fun to do, uh, and, you know, and mostly we just do it in the privacy of our own home, and typically it's about like if we're watching a reality show, it's about you know people that we don't know. And, and and it's more me, and she just laughs, and she agrees or disagrees. She doesn't really participate, participate. But uh, it is for me to guess whether or not somebody is vanilla or not vanilla. And we were watching Love Is Blind a few weeks ago, and they're in the part where they're they're all on their honeymoons, or they're they're like they're not their honeymoons, but they're all all the couples are out on in Mexico, getting to know each other face to face finally. And I look at her and I go, this girl's the only girl on the, uh, in this whole entire show who, who would willingly 69. And Sarah was just like, yeah, absolutely. I don't know why, but I 100% get behind that. And I was like, yep. I don't know why, but you can just kind of tell when somebody's like vanilla or not. But I, that, that does not, is that not vanilla? That's uh, whoops. I'm, I'm scared because no, I would put that as way vanilla. It's like, I would say that's like French vanilla. I mean, I guess you gotta use your coffee, your vanilla beans. Yeah. Um, I do want to do an episode about kinks. I just don't know how we could possibly do it. Uh, Sarah, I don't think Sarah would no. be okay with that. Maybe if we ever, if we ever get to the point where we're actually making any kind of real money off this, that's a patron special. It's a patron special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All, All right. right. With that note. So anyway, uh, have a good week. And uh, everybody at home, please, you know, like, share, subscribe, like, share, subscribe, give us a good rating or a funny, bad rating. Thanks for letting us week. Thanks for letting us fill you with our big stuff. Yep. Oh, that's a good one. Fill you with our big stuff. (laughs)